It's my first time. You're new here, aren't you? First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And I'm Brent Allen, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the very first time. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters that are watching this show for the very first time, and we're looking for how this show does some of those Star Trek type messages that we're always used to uh, as Star Trek podcasters, you know, the things that give us a hope for the future Uh, is it holding up a mirror to society, giving us betterment of of mankind. What are those in there? And we're also trying to decide how much we like these episodes. And while we are Star Trek podcasters, this is not a Star Trek podcast at all. So we keep ourselves in check by playing the rule of three. And that means we get three references that each of us can use per episode. And that is... That's it. Three. One of those No substitutions, exchanges, or refund. <laughs> I did it! <laughs> you did it! I can't believe it. You did it! I love hey, it. I deliver. That's how it works. You said that happened fast, too, man. I like it. I, right? for- I forgot all about that till this moment right here. That's awesome. I've been. Uh, you're excited to share a huge theory that you've come up with. Me? I have a big theory. It's This is huge, Jeff. We'll see. I, I will it top this? Like that's the question. Will it top the new drop? We'll find hey, out. Jeff, it's one of those. I will tell you this: either people are going to be mad at me. Like if you're driving, pull over to the side of the road when I get to the spot, okay? Because you're either going to like crash, you're going to be so mad at me that I got it, or you are going to laugh your butt off at how wrong I am. There is no in between. There's no like, you're so right, but you're also so wrong at the same time. No, no, no. This is one or the other, but this is my theory and I'm sticking to it. And I've got a pretty good track record on my theories in this show. Very eerily almost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great way to set up a huge payoff coming up later in this episode. But hey, we've got some payoffs to share right now. Brent, I've got a five-star review. Yes. This one's from Apple Podcasts. Q4P Mike BC says, wow, that's a, that took a, a breath after that name. He says, as a nearly lifelong Babylon 5 fan who also likes Star Trek, I've really enjoyed this podcast. There are times when I am screaming about how wrong or right you are with your predictions. Many times I yell out, just wait. I also can't tell you how tickled I get to see you experience it for the first time. Listening to you fall in love with the characters is the highlight of my day. I'm nearly caught up and will hate having to wait a whole week between episodes. You summed it up great way back in Voice in the Wilderness Part 2, though, when we said, this isn't Star Trek. This is Babylon 5. There you go. You know, that brings up a question I have, Jeff. Yeah? I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, man, we are consistently getting, like, really good, like, reviews, like, all the time. But you remember back at the end of Season 1, we did that big giveaway? Mm -hmm. And you were like, 
we have so many new reviews. I can't read them all. Yep. Are we still like, are these still some of those like we're catching up to that we got so many back then? I think that's what it is. Cause some of them are mentioning season one episodes. Yeah. So I think, I think that is the case that they're it's coming like, this through. Is, to this us is now. the backlog. Cause we're, we're not going to read all of them in one single episode. That, exactly. that would be the episode. So, and I do have okay. a backlog in the inbox still that we're working through. I know. The reviews, <laughs> so uh huh. <laughs> it's a good problem. To, it's a great problem to have, but you know what? Uh, just from the future, let me reach back to all of you. Uh, well, you guys are going to be like, I wrote in a review. They haven't read it yet. Just wait. Uh, but thank you guys so much for all the reviews you've been writing in. And whatever, you know, Hammurabi code name person you are there, that's awesome. You nailed exactly what we love about doing it. And we love that you love watching us do this. Exactly. Very much so. One more five-star review for this one. Oh, yes. This one also from Apple. This is from Docs1289. Doc says, I followed Jeff here from his Starfleet Leadership Academy podcast. Thank you. Yeah. And this has quickly become one of, if not my favorite podcast. Unfortunately, I'm almost caught up. Theme, theme there. And we'll soon <laughs> need to wait on new episodes. It's entertaining to listen to what you get right and wrong. And I can't wait for you to find out for yourselves. I'm going to get something right today and you guys are going to lose it. Send it. Listen, send all your emails in to Babylon five first at gmail.com. There you send all of those emails in. I won't see a single one of them, but Jeff gets them all and uh, send them in there and just tell them how awesome I am because I got everything right. No, no, don't do that. Cause it'll spoil it for Jeff, but uh, that's where you can email us. Yeah. Babylon five first at gmail.com. The number five, the word first, that's also our website. Babylon5first.com. But next, Brent, I want to talk about our YouTube channel. We have an awesome YouTube channel. Not the channel, the community. The community that are, is in, that's what I'm really meant. I mean, I think our channel is pretty dope too. But the the, the community, man, these, these people are awesome. And like, it's cool, like, because we've kind of gotten to know them now. And so this is one from Christoph Lombardi that said, it is a real joy to tag along on your journey. Also, even though there are other YouTube channels out there offering reactions to B5, you guys are the only ones to do a post-reaction deep dive, and that is amazing and invaluable. I'm a longtime B5 fan and know the series inside and out, and it is a most welcome feeling having you bring new light and perspective to it. Thank you both for the amazing work you're doing. That's cool. Yeah. Are we really the only ones? You know, I guess most of the other shows, they either do like a full on reaction or they do like, hey, we're going to throw our podcast up there. I don't want to say we're the only one because I haven't done that exhaustive of a search. But in it like just kind of running through my head as far as ones that actually do both. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, we are one of if not the only one. Right. Like, right. Because right. they're, they're, they're so, you know, it's funny when we started this podcast, we were talking about it, right? Just the logistics back and forth. We looked on Apple Podcasts and we're like, there are only like six Babylon yeah. 5 like podcasts. A couple of them were defunct. Yeah. Only four of them look like they're active at all. Yeah. So, like, yeah, this is a great space. And then I, apparently, like 300 other people had the same idea because there are so many. <laughs> and, I, and I really want to use this as an opportunity to say so many great. Babylon five podcasts out there. We have our awesome community on YouTube, on Twitter at Babylon at Babylon first, but there's the, the the community expands even more with a lot of great creators out there putting out some really, really good stuff. We are not, Mm -hmm. we're not like brand exclusive here. We love that you're here, but you know, 
check everybody out. There's a lot of really great conversation going on. Just stay with us mostly. Exactly. Stay here. <laughs> you can look at other places. I'll go check the other people out too, but stay here. Well, Jeff. Brent. You know, we have our, our uh, rule of three mm-hmm. that we do. Um, and we have our uh, reviews and our comments that we like to go through. One of the other segments that we do on the show that we love a lot is where we get to guess what the next week's episode is going to be based on the title alone. Now, we don't do that till the end of the show, but this is the part of the show where we get to look back on last week's guess, which was for this week's show, and see just how right we were. So, Jeff, do you remember what you said all alone in the night was going to be and how close were you? Yeah, about as far off as I could possibly be. I mean, I said Centauri Narn War, and there there was a Narn in this one, and that's... that's a A Narn with a neck. Yeah, with some weird, like, (laughs) safety harness thing. (laughs) Like, what what does that help happen? I don't even understand. But, yeah, it was going to be Londo, and he was going to be all alone in the night and some stuff around the war. Couldn't have been further off. What about you? I think I said that this was going to be something like... uh, I think in my head, something like the power went out on the station. Like everybody's just going to sort of be alone. Like I thought it was literally going to be alone at night. Like people just sort of dealing with themselves, like their inner monologue or, or something like that. Like, yeah, that, that was not at all. Well, you had some inner monologue. We had some inner monologue. There was definitely some inner monologue here, but that's not close to anything that happened really in this episode. So with that, Jeff, For the folks at home who haven't watched this episode in a while, or maybe you're listening to this episode that we're doing, and you have never actually seen this episode all alone in the night, you should go watch it. But Jeff, for the sake of our audience here today, would you please remind us what happened in All Alone in the Night? Delenn, set high Delenn to the principal's office, please. Delenn has been summoned in front of the Grey Council to answer for her transformation and to find out her status. She tries to prep Lanier for her potential replacement, but he's going to come along with her. Ships are going missing. Babylon 5 needs to investigate. Pulling a bit of a Sinclair, but with a little more reason as to why, Sheridan suits up to lead a group of Star Furies to check it out. They don't find anything until, well, actually, yeah, they, they totally do. Big old ship pops out, blasts the Star Furies. Sheridan ejects and his pod is picked up by this ship, while Ramirez, a Dodgers fan, because, yeah, uh, baseball references in a sci-fi show was only ever done in Babylon 5, you know, until other shows totally ripped it off, I guess. But Ramirez faces lethal exposure to radiation from his engine, but forces his way back to the station to tell them what has happened. He makes it through and is rushed to med lab. General Haig, he's the guy that we met in Points of Departure and introduced us to Sheridan. Well, he's here for a personal visit to Sheridan and helps Ivanova lead the search for the captain. And they'd better hurry though. Sheridan has slipped into the sixth season episode of the next generation schisms. The weird devices experimenting on him. And then he runs into some prisoners that attack him. A Drazi, I think, and a Narn. The Narn kills the Drazi, but Sheridan is able to incapacitate it. After he wakes up, they try to mount an escape, but Sheridan is interrupted by a strange vision. Ivanova and Garibaldi are there. Even he is. But everything's kind of weird. There's like a raven and a dove and even a Kosh. Kosh has a message for Sheridan in this vision, and he even repeats it IRL. He says, this is not linear. You have always existed here. Yikes. Two down already. 
Back in non-abducted space, Delenn's visit with the Grey Council does not go well. She's been kicked off the council and has been replaced by... Naroon? This is a big deal, because the balance of the council is gone now. The warrior caste has unprecedented power. They talk about racial purity and how Delenn doesn't belong anywhere anymore, and then tell her to return to Babylon 5. She does, and so does Lanier, a true friend and partner through it all. Well, things are not looking good for Sheridan. The ship keeps on plugging through space and Ivanova hasn't gotten much closer to finding him. Until, though, through sheer dumb luck, Delenn reaches out and knows everything about these guys. The Stribe, a race the Minbari shut down before. So a joint Minbari-Earth Force attack, led by the Agamemnon, swoops in, rocks the Stribe, and rescues Sheridan. All is good again. Until, that is, Hague and Sheridan finally get to sit down. The fix is in. Haig appears to be leading a quiet resistance on Earth, resisting President Clark and his cronies and their way of doing business. Sheridan has been a plant on Babylon 5 the whole time. He was planned for by former President Santiago. Sheridan tells Haig that the command team of Babylon 5 is loyal, and then they all agree to do something. Something to uncover how Santiago died, maybe, and to start and to stop the dark tide that is sweeping across Earth. Brent, what did you think of All Alone in the Night? Jeff, I got to be honest, I was worried about this episode. Yeah? I was real worried about this episode. We have been not nice to season two so far. It started off real rough. And then we had a good couple of episodes. And then we had last week. And I really needed this to be a good episode. And oh my gosh, did it deliver! Um, I mean, this, this was, I noted early in the episode that this was written by JMS himself. And I, I held a lot of hope talk about moving the ball down the field. Like this episode pushed the Lynn forward. It changed the makeup of the, of the Mimbari council, the great council. It unveiled a bunch of stuff. We didn't know about Sheridan that, I mean, this, I mean, this is, I don't know if this is a full-on retcon or if this is what they had in mind from the beginning with Sheridan that we're because there was no hints, none whatsoever that you could have gotten this. We're bringing back General Haig. We brought back the Agamemnon. We've got uh, Kosh is shown. I mean, it feels like whenever we see Kosh, that's a right. You, like you can mark the the marquee things that happen because Kosh comes in in the episode for a line and then goes away. Uh, it was it was a good episode. I was mad though. I was so mad because you're getting to that spot. At some point, you have to give people answers. You have to let people in on what's actually happening. And we got that with Sheridan that he's been this plant the whole time. He's doing stuff, and then all right, let's get the crew together. Are you guys in? Are you in or out? Okay, here's what's going on, and credits. And Jeff, I do not believe that this is a cliffhanger. I do not believe that we're going to open up on the next episode right where we've left off and we're going to hear the second half of that conversation. I don't think that for a single second. And that makes me so mad, so upset because I like, this is my crew. This is the group I need to be in on. I don't need this group holding secrets back from me as a viewer, right? Like they're supposed to be our proxy into this world. So I'm a little mad, a little upset, but I have faith. Might even say faith of the heart. Mm. 
That's a complete waste of a reference, by the way. It was still good. It was still super good. (laughs) Good now, myself. Literally every person listening thought this. As soon as you said faith, they all thought it. Every single one of you. (laughs) And I will will just say this. Lanier, good dude. Yeah. He's a good dude. I like Lanier. How about you, Jeff? What did you think of this episode? Same. This was so good. So good. And I felt like I've said it a couple times before where I kind of don't care about the shadow stuff anymore right the centauri narn stuff is exciting and cool the stuff with the len and the minbari is interesting and i want to know more but i'm all about the earth human mars whatever stuff so this moving this forward dude the shout out so to psychor like who's involved psychor boom like psychor is that you've got the whole earth force thing going on you've got you've got president santiago and his old deal and yeah that that i think is certainly is center stage of what's going on right now yeah. And we've been saying the Psychor thing for, I mean, since midway in the yeah. first season. I mean, we saw it coming. So to hear that for me is just like, yes, total validation. But I think my beef with this episode, though, was like there was the Delenn stuff that needed to move forward. I'm going to assume that the vision that Sheridan had in on that ship means something somewhere. And then that very last little boop scene with General Haig, all that other stuff with the Stribe, like I... I will be shocked if we ever see them again. Like, I I feel like that was really, I will not because Minbari rocked them before Mm -hmm. earth force. Minbari just rocked them a second time. I feel like if we see them again, they're going to come in on the side of earth and Minbari or something like that. But I just, I don't know. They felt, it felt more throwaway than it needed to. Does that, Mm. that doesn't make any sense, but the whole thing just kind of, I mean, they dropped these little pieces. Let me, let me back up a little bit. I don't think we're going to see them again. I think we're going to see that device that sticks on the prisoners' heads that controls them. I think we will see that again. Okay, let me ask you a question. So they had Sheridan. They had what we're going to assume was the Drowsy. I don't really know what he was, but there was the Drowsy dude. There was the Narn guy, which, by the way, his name in the credits was Narn. Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community. And you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. That's, that's what my notes called them. So it's pretty, pretty on brand. But then like when everything was blowing up, we saw some people running through the corridor that were the Roswell grays. Are those the stribe or is that another group of prisoners? I totally thought that was the stribe. And I think they were the ones what was oh in grail in grail where they had the court scene. And the guy was like, my great, great, great grandpappy was abducted by your great, great, great grandpappy. And they had the little Roswell alien in there. And so I think the Stribe are like a part of 
the tapestry of Babylon five already. There's just, I don't know. Cause it, it was a total abduction story, but they didn't seem to know what the stribe were until Dylan told them about it. But how and is that the, different than anything else that's happened with earth force from soul hunter to the grail hunter to everything. Earth is the one being like, but what, if you're, you, what do you but mean? If you're on the station in front of the ombuds, they're going to know you at that point. They're going to know at least your species. Like there's a basic things that you do on an alien station. But at that point they, they didn't, they hadn't, we saw that alien for four seconds. Right? right. And, and I think that Sheridan saw him for even less. The people back on Bab Babylon five never saw them. They just knew there was this big ship abducting people and schizoming them. Okay. Well, since you're talking about this, Jeff, my theory, Okay. Oh, already. And it, it is, it is, it is. And it happened early in the episode for me. Okay. The whole thing with the stribes might completely wreck everything about this theory. I, I will acknowledge that straight away. However, I could still be right in my theory, even without the stribes. Okay. Or even with the stribes, I guess little backstory. All right. Way back in the episode of chrysalis. I want to say it was Chrysalis. Was that the one where um, Morden sent uh, his people after and like destroyed that whole Narn colony? Yep. That was Chrysalis, right? Okay. When we first saw those ships, I remember thinking then. I don't know if I said it in this show or if it was in my my recap. I don't I don't remember where, but I remember thinking then. I was like, okay, are those ships or are those like big huge aliens? Because mm -hmm. they they look like spiders, like they look like bugs. They don't look like ships. Right. And you don't really ever get a good look at them. So I've kind of had that in the back of my head, right? Like where I just, I just sort of said, we saw laser beams coming out of them. So they've got to be ships, not, not, uh, not organisms. All right. So fast forward to this episode, that one ship that comes out and captures Sheridan, I'm looking at it. And I said to myself, I went, man, that ship sure looks like it has a mouth. Mm -hmm. Is this, and then, and then like the tractor beam came out of it. Right. And then we saw Sheridan inside the ship on the table and he's yelling, he's talking all of a sudden the door in the ship opens up and that big claw arm comes down and starts talking to him. And all of a sudden it hit me, Jeff, I think I know what this is. Okay. Now you're going to have to go all the way back to one of our most hated episodes from season one infection. Wow. Okay. 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 And do you remember what the whole thing about infection was? Right, the uh, the biotech weapon, organic stuff. tech, mm -hmm. organic oh. tech, and when we saw this, it kind of looked like. Now you said that they they went off into that schisms, another world. It looked to me more like fluidic space from species eight four seven two. That's two for both of us, right? That is, yeah. Early on, it it, it looked more like the fluidic space. I could be where I don't think that's what it is. But it, that's just what it, it brought to my mind. Anyway, I think it's organic tech. And Jeff, here's the thing. Even if this is just Stribe and, and this is something else, what if? What if the shadows are organic tech? Oh. And that's the coming war. Oh. Because remember how, how they just decimated their planet mm -hmm. that made them? And they've been living kind of in this other deal. They're out on the rim. There's this big thing. They're coming all, you know, everybody better beware all of this stuff. What if the shadows and, and think about it, those ships that look, they kind of look like organisms, mm -hmm. but maybe they're actually people. And then you get those people 
buzzing in and out and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what they've got over Morden. I don't know if he's got one of those little thingies on his face. That's just like implanted inside his brain. I don't know what's going on with that, but what if the shot, this is my theory, the shadows, their whole thing, they are the organic tech that we learned about in infection. Wow. That's, that's my deal. People out there are either freaking out or they're laughing their butts off at me right now. One of the two. What I love about your theory is that it gives me a chance to talk about mass effect because that's kind of like I, I, I've compared the shadows a little bit to the reapers in mass effect before. And that's kind of what it is, is this blending of organics where they actually take the DNA or whatever. And they build these big sort of ships that represent mm-hmm. the, like this ship is the race of whatever, you know, and maybe it's the same thing with the shadows. Wow. Wow. I just think about it, man. Think about it. and and this ship certainly looked organic techy to very me. much. Like, it looked like the ship itself might be alive because like at the right time the bindings that were on them, which looked less like bindings and more like the ship just sort of wrapped them in, like they kind of fell apart. The thing came out of the ceiling as if it was the alien itself. The ship kind of looked like it had a mouth and it looked like it had like claws and stuff like that. So yeah, that blanket holding him was kind of mucusy almost. Yeah, and the probe yeah. even had like a hand, like War of the Worlds hand kind of a feel to yeah. it. Yeah. And and like I said, it might it might be destroyed because if if this is actually a an alien group called the Stribe and they have absolutely nothing to do with the shadows, they're completely separate, then it kind of shoots a hole in that just from watching this. But it's still possible that even if that is true, the shadows really still could be the organic tech thing. Totally. And maybe Maybe, and this is, I, I guess, like, I just made that huge assumption that the Stribe was that little Roswell guy running away. The Stribe could be the ships, right? Yeah. The, or whatever. Or maybe the Stribe are the little Roswell guys who just have some sort of a symbiotic relationship with the ships or something. I mean, I made a ton of assumptions based on, oh, yeah, they're the Stribe. We destroyed them once. Let's go destroy them That again. was my first thing. Like, in the reaction video, I was like, oh, no, does that kind of destroy us? Like, Oh, but wait, what if they're actually the other prisoners with them? Or what if it's something else? And it still could be the Drew. Like, I don't yeah, know. totally could be. So that's my theory, Jeff. That's my big theory. That's the big thing I've been been prepping for. That's huge. I think it could be true. So far, it holds up completely, I think. Hey, listen, this is just a reminder to those of you out there. Uh, please neither confirm nor deny that what I just said is true. This is where we are at this moment. All we want you to do is to go squeal. You're so close and you're so far and I'm going to tell you which one or, oh, I want to talk to you about this, but I'm not allowed. Maybe we should have a place where people could go talk about what we've just talked about. Jeff. Yeah, I bet we we probably would have something like that. Maybe if you click some of the links down in the uh, the description or the show notes, yeah, you like, might be able like to get there. Discord thing or something. On. Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. We're still not going to. Yeah. I don't know. Jeff. I you you don't seem as blown away by it as I thought you were going to be. So I I don't think I was blown away by it as I thought I was. It's kind of, I oversold it. I oversold well, no, it. it checks out. You know okay. what I mean? Like it yeah. just you say it and you're like yeah, it's not it's not mind blowing. You know like oh, when you I thought it was mind blowing <laughs> when you said when you said back in season one Sinclair is a Minbari that was yeah. mind that was mind blowing what out of nowhere and then the pieces slipped into place afterwards. But I think here I you say shadows are organic tech and it's like yeah. I feel like I feel like we've skirted right on that uh-huh. for a lot of this season, or you know, since we figured out kind of what the shadows were. Mm-hmm. But I think it's huge because of the implications it has on a larger galactic scale. You know, it's like this isn't 
This isn't just a bunch of baddies coming in to blow people up. This is an evolution. If it's organic tech or biotech or whatever, this is like an evolutionary step. And that's and that's what Kosh starts talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like like he says to Morden, like they're not ready for you yet, or what he what did he say to him, like way back? Yeah, they're not ready, or they're not they're not for you. They're, they're not, not for, for you, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like like and and Kosh is a thing. And don't forget, it was that same episode right before Delenn went into the cocoon and got hair and all that sort of stuff. She went and saw Kosh, and Kosh like flashed her. Yeah, showed her her whole self. Like what we still don't know what Delenn saw when he did that. Yeah, you know, please please don't tell us. Yeah, don't. And you, you haven't so far. And thank you yes, for that. Thank it's you for great. That. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the Stribe and just the whole kind of sequence of events that led yeah. to him there. Because I think like two things early on that I thought were really big. One, way back in Signs and Portents, the, uh, the Shadows blew up the big Raider ship where they'd done mm-hmm. all that investment in the ships that could make their own jump gates. Mm-hmm. And then Sheridan said that the Raiders are still pretty much out of business. Right. So I, Thought that was a cool piece of continuity, but I want to personally, I'm going to, I'm going to look into the camera here. This is my camera. This is it. Okay. JMS. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for hearing my concerns and wrapping them up in a nice, neat bow. Sinclair put himself in danger needlessly time and time again. And here you go and have Sheridan do the same thing, but you explained it. You explained it. He wants that flight pay. He misses the cold embrace of the stars surrounding him. Sheridan had a reason. And JMS, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a subscriber to Babylon 5 for the first time. That was awesome. I don't know if you were as moved by that as I was, but literally he he, he gave his reason. I'm just like, yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Ivanova also gave a similar reason when she went out. Mm-hmm. She um, did. After Sheridan did. But yeah, whenever Sheridan went, like it... It really looked like just the, hey, this is the guy that we've already paid to be in the show. And so we're going to let him go. It, it was the Kirk thing. There's your three. There's three. Do that. All right, I'm out. Uh, but it's it's the Kirk thing. Like, it's the he's going to be the hero in every situation, whether it's right or wrong. And it really wasn't until we got to Picard and Riker that they're like, hey, you're actually not supposed to go do that. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that. I didn't know Ramirez. Is he new? I think so. I've never we seen him before. He, like what happened to Keffer? Yeah. <laughs> like where's Keffer? This guy's, this guy's in the opening credits. What's going on? He's still recovering from his time with large. Like that was, that oh, was yeah. a go. As emotional. It was emotional. I liked Ramirez. I liked him. I, I thought, did too. I hope he sticks around. Like he died. I, he died. <laughs> Brent, no, he died. Did he die? He did. did he actually die? I think I might've been making a note or something when that happened. His last breath is what saved Sheridan actually like. Right. He was, he was a real hero. And I thought it was, I thought it was cool how they brought him in. But again, like, I, <laughs> that's why it couldn't have been Keffer because they made him die. Yeah. So we got to bring in somebody else. He's the red shirt. Oh, he was the, yep. here, he was the red shirt. <laughs> and we are out of references. We're out. That's it. No, no more. And I have, I have more references in my notes. So I'm oh, going to no. have to work around. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was cool. I, what I didn't like about that whole scene though, was like, it's just them still shoving Franklin down our throats, right? Like Franklin hanging out with Garibaldi and then talking about baseball and stop. Well, but then he had to be, he had to be in that little council meeting at the very end too, because he's like a guy apparently. Yeah. Like we're going to just have to deal with Franklin, dude. 
They're, they're not shoving him down our throats. He's just in the cast, man. They're, like, they're all in on him. I got to use him. If I were Sheridan, he's the last guy I'd bring in on some conspiracy thing. But You mean the guy running an underground railroad? Huh. Probably, probably not the guy Which you want. Is honorable, but actually, I don't know. There are, hey, can we talk about that? Yeah. Like, I want to talk about that. So, Haig comes in and he's like, okay, tell me what's going on. The room's not bugged, blah, 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 blah. They're all loyal to Earth Force. Mm-hmm. they're all loyal to earth for a minute. It sounded to me like they were going down the route of the earth first people. Oh, okay. And what, what is, what is, what's that whole movement called? I forget. Uh, home guard, home guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it almost sounded like they were going that direction with it to sit there and say that they're loyal. They're loyal to the, to the, um, to, to earth, not to the mission, not to, and, and, Jeff, this is not a reference. This is an actual discussion point. This is a difference between Babylon 5 and uh, Starfleet. Okay, actually, maybe mm-hmm. this is a reference. Shoot, I don't care. I, but I've, I've got to make it. <laughs> like, Starfleet exists for the betterment of going out and exploring and and bringing peace to the galaxy, which is kind of what Babylon 5 is supposed to do. But yeah, he doesn't say that they're loyal to the mission of Babylon 5. He says they're loyal to Earth. They're loyal to Earth. Mm-hmm. And now there's this sort of like, I, I I think I labeled them, they're like the Earth Force anti-coup squad. Like they're trying to prevent the coup that has already happened. Let's face it, the coup is done. It's done. They're in it power. Has, it, they have succeeded. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to try to take their government back. He said a thing though, and it really, it really rang true for me. So... When I enlisted in the military, I had to do this twice because I went through the delayed entry program and then actually shipped off to boot camp. But you stand in a room with a bunch of other yahoos that are about to go to boot camp and you raise your hand and you you, you make an oath in yeah. there. And one of them is to protect the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Right. So when General Haig said... Um, you know, they're loyal. So they will protect earth from threats, both outside and within. I was like, okay, I get it. This, this totally rings true for me. Yep. Yeah. And I noted that too. And that's, that was sort of the saving grace. Mm -hmm. But for a minute, like, I really was like, oh no, Sheridan's bad, but he can't be bad because how often are we going to replace our show lead? (laughs) Like, Right, do that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna skirt around the reference, and if you pick up on it, you, yeah, you're gonna do like every season have a different captain that just randomly comes in and leads your ship into the future. I thought it was great though how Sheridan did call Hague out on like doing this, and he's like, "Dude, you don't know that you're gonna walk out this room, and I'm gonna call Clark, you know, and tell him tell him what's what." And then he goes through. He's like, "No, I I know you're not because you're a patriot." And I thought that was great, but totally unrelated. I just wanted to share that, like, when he said that, I hate that the word patriot sounds like a bad word now it does yeah like back to your point of like he's going down that home guard route that was my initial reaction if he's a patriot i'm like oh no oh no no, no, no. that's me coloring it with unfortunate modern history I, yeah yeah i it, it really it's become such a politicized word mm-hmm. right and 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 I, and I think that's what made this scene so complex to watch in 2023 is that it's, there are all these new dimensions to everything. We're back in 1995. I think when this aired, it was, it was relatively straightforward. I mean, yes, we, we had domestic stuff going on, 
but not like we do today. And it was pretty clear, right? Yep, you are pro-Earth. Mm-hmm. That means pro-Earth is not Earth first, but you're you're a patriot. And because you're a patriot, I know that you're going to stand up and you're going to do the right thing. And so I, I, I had to pause and like Point. take off the lens, the 2023 lens to watch, um, to, to, to watch this scene. I noticed though, we never heard Sheridan's answer. Higgs said, I got 20 minutes. I got to get onto a, onto my transport and head home. I need you to answer me right now. And then it cut with him pulling in the command staff. So yeah. you said Sheridan can't be a bad guy. And I agree on surface. Yeah. But what if he said no? And he's pulling them in in some like counter terrorist espionage. I, I don't think that's the case, but Here's I'm just a, asking it. If Babylon Five was being made today, I I could give you some credence. Babylon Five was made in 1990. This is what 95. Yeah, I think when yeah. this episode's made, that's just not how TV was done then. True. Okay. It, like, well, but this is Babylon Five. Babylon Five is not how television was done. It's true. That's fair. That's very fair. But I don't know. Like, this is the story of the good guys, you know, uh, and and even if they reveal that he said something different, it's going to be for good and noble causes that we're going to be on his side. Like, we're going to be on the side of Sheridan. We'll be on Haig's side if and only if Haig stays on Sheridan's side. Like, that's that's how this is going to roll. Sheridan's like our North star Sheridan. Yeah, this. he's going to be yeah. the hero. Yeah, he's he, you're right. He is the guiding post. He is. Yeah. He is the, uh, 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 he's our general Hammond. Okay. You don't understand that. Reference. I don't, but a general, like it sounds good. Yes. Right? He's so. our, he's our, he's our, um, I'm trying to think of others. He's our, uh, uh, the president, uh, the, the president from Battlestar Galactica. Roslyn. Uh, Roslyn. Roslyn. Yeah. He's, he's our president Roslyn. Uh, he's our, um, our Luke Skywalker or our Yoda. Our Yoda. Yeah. Our Yoda. Right. Maybe more like a Mace Windu. I'm not really sure. Take whatever. <laughs> yeah. Any of those. You know what I mean? Going back to the, the Stribe ship and Sheridan. Yep. Do you want to break down that vision that Sheridan had? Please do. Please do. Because this, they all had Ravens on there or not all of them, but a lot of, I saw Ravens on, on a lot of shoulders. Yeah, I felt like, so I, I actually went, I, I went back and watched this, like tried to bust it up. And so Ivanova was the first that we saw there, and I'm pretty sure that was a raven. It was a why would she have a crow? Another version of Sheridan that he was looking at, which also like the maybe this is, but the way the scene was lit, the fact there was this, the, a lot of the back and forth really took me back to that episode where Sinclair was with the knights, right? And the knights were I'm trying not to reference the knights were in his brain, right, and trying to pull out information. I wonder if this was initially meant to be a return to that storyline for Sinclair, mm. but instead of Sheridan, so they twisted it up a little bit, but there's another Sheridan there's Garibaldi. And I feel like Garibaldi had a, was a white bird, like a Raven or a dove Raven and the dove. Uh-huh. But he said, Garibaldi spoke and he said, the man in between is searching for you. Then Ivanova, I'm thinking it was Ivanova. She had some weird makeup on and like a veil, she said that he is the hand. You are the hand of the king. Cause this is game of Thrones. Exactly. I mean, apparently that's exactly what I thought he, she meant there. One of the Sheridans turned uh-huh. around at one point and he had a Psychor badge on. Did he? So I do have a theory that I'll how get many to times, did you, how many times did you go back and break this whole thing down? I, I, I probably took 15 minutes, like, 
pausing on each scene and looking at it because it moved so fast and it had kind of that weird like cloudy quality to it yeah jeff next time you do this i need you to do some like screen grabs so we can throw it up for the youtube folks oh, here. that's a good idea you know that's what i mean good idea. yeah let's see what else is there then there's kosh right kosh said that he's never been away and this i think is big sheridan's mind is now quiet enough to hear him uh-huh and then said that he's always been here. you've always been here yeah, yeah. which so my, then we saw kosh in real life and he just looked at him and just went You've always been here. And he turned around and walked away because that's the way Kosh rolls. Mm -hmm, exactly. It goes back to Kosh is there like supervising. Yeah. Stirring the pot, just or not even stirring, just checking. Is the water boiling yet? No. Okay, mm -hmm. good. Yeah, we're, we're fine. Oh, oh, here's this. Now you're ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what got him ready is when the Stribe like probe thing came and put holes in his face, holes in his face that persisted, like that makeup scarring yeah. persisted through the episode. So they I'm thinking, like zits. Exactly, I know. <laughs> very like symmetrical, zits, uh -huh. which in my experience is not how those things work out. Right. But I wonder if they unlocked some sort of like telepathic power in him and is Psychor in Sheridan's future mm. or did it just like, unlock something that quieted his mind enough that now he's on some other plane, like operating on some other plane where now he and Kosh have like a bat phone connecting them sort of a thing. A bat phone. Yeah. You know, hello, commissioner Gordon, a direct line, I guess would be the, the thing to say, but no, I think there's a ton that went, that happened in that. And I, and I feel like I want to feel that that's a big part of the story coming up. What Jeff, I, here's what I need you to do with this. Okay. And I'm going to give you homework on this one. I did your homework last week. So I know, I know, no, 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 but this is going to be like, I may have to help you with this one. I need you. We're going to, we, we, I'm going to commit us to doing something and I'm probably going to live to regret this. I'm here's what we should do. And this will be exclusive to YouTube. So audio podcast, people listening, go to our YouTube site, youtube.com forward slash. I think it's Babylon five first. Okay, I, I think, think that's right. Or just look at Babylon right. 5 for the first time. We pop up right it. in the search or, or, or search it, yeah. Babylon 5 for the first time. But we should put up a video that is breaking down this vision. Oh. And maybe, maybe it's a you and me. Mm -hmm. A you and me thing. Like, we'll do it together, and we'll break down the vision, go piece by piece through this thing uh, of this vision and take a look. I think I think that's something we should do because you're right. This feels like that like we need to catch the 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 background stuff you take it frame by frame almost and yeah. and analyze it i think we should do that yeah because my because I, I have a lot of, i'll save them for that video because i have a lot of theories on what this is going to come out for the big one i had is just like oh my gosh sheridan's got some sort of a mind something telepath is what we know so is sheridan but, also mimbari <laughs> like because i think yeah, we just right? assume that whatever the path was for sinclair uh jms transferred it over to sheridan like made made some minor changes that fit his character mm -hmm. you know maybe the things is like oh if i could reduce sinclair this is what i'd do and then he had a chance to but i i think that's the the general idea is this is the planned path for sinclair and they've just moved it so is he also mimbari is he something else like and that adds a whole layer to him being the star killer right where like uh -huh. if he realizes he's got that mimbari soul and then he's Starkiller and he's responsible for the death of all those Minbari. It's a whole other layer of emotion for him to live in. Mm -hmm. oh. Because no Minbari has ever hurt another. Wait, yeah. never mind. Except for all the times they did. Hey, <laughs> want to dive into the Great Council and Delenn stuff? Uh, buddy, we. Naroon? It's Naroon? Yeah. I, 
I love and hate this this uh, this decision. I love it because I was ha- I was happy to see Naroon again. I I liked I liked the actor, like the way he's portrayed and the story he told coming in made total sense to me. But wow, wow. Yeah, my note here is I'm very disappointed in the Mimbari because the Mimbari are supposed to be the better of humanity, the better side of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like that's the impression we've been getting. Like they they are what we should be, and they weighted the council now towards uh, the the warrior cast and the words he was speaking. Jeff, when he said when he started talking about the purity of their race, yeah, diluting the purity. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. The Mimbar are not supposed to think like that. That's not like I'm not okay with what is happening with the Mimbari. What everything he said, I could imagine coming out of President Clark's mouth. Like I just saw this stark parallel development between Earth, Earth Force, yeah. and uh, and the Minbari. And also, there's three casts. Okay, like what? Okay, Jeff, do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about spoilers, mm-hmm. and I said I've got two that I want to tell you about because people wrote them down in the comments, and I said yeah. the one is what the bone the the bone thing is on the back of their head, and I said I've got another one. It's about the makeup of the gray council that somebody told me and you opted for me not to tell you. So I didn't tell you. And here, this is it. That was it. I had no idea that this is, that this is where they got it from. I didn't know if it was like, this is extra material JMS put out afterwards or, you know, whatever, but this is it. We've never heard of this third cast before. This is brand new information for us. And to have them on the council, like, I mean, we were, oh my gosh, now I'm almost upset that someone shared that because it changes everything with, with having, what is it? Nine, nine people on the council. And that's part of why I think we thought it was the religious cast that was on there. They made decisions on behalf of the warrior cast during the war. And if there's nine, well, yeah, it's going to be a dominant cast, but there's three and it's split three ways, but now it's only split one way. And that keeps a balance of power, and now that balance of power has been disrupted. But you also don't get the idea that the that the Great Council fights amongst each other. Like they may disagree, but it doesn't. You don't get the feeling like, hey, we're going to vote on this. And well, actually, I guess they do do, do tend to vote. Yeah, but, and they talk about going off to debate. And I remember it was in um, God, it was the episode when she went back, and they basically said we're we're questioning uh, Babylon Squared mm-hmm. back in Babylon Squared. That one, so there was there was the Gray Council guy that lives in her closet, who right. is kind of a jerk, and then there was cool Gray Council person who was like, "Hey, here's your Triforce. Um, don't you know? Yeah. It's dangerous to go alone." Like they were buddies, so they do kind of go do their own thing and then come back and debate to vote on stuff. But yeah, was that the same guy? The Triforce guy was that the same guy that was basically firing her? It looked like it to me. That's what I thought. Yeah, because I thought they were buddies. Well, but see, okay, this is the thing that gets me about this. Delin went and told the Great Council, hey, I'm looking at doing this. And they obviously knew exactly what she was talking about doing. And they were like, they didn't tell her not to do it. They were like, maybe you should just sort of wait. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't recall a definitive, like, do not, we forbid you to do right. this. It was like, I got to, not now. Yeah, not now. And, they were, and they were like, you know, but can I got to do your own thing? But at the end of that episode, might might have been Babylon Squared. I don't remember which one it was now. This dude shows up and hands her the triluminary, and then she uses the triluminary to do the cocoon. Yeah. Which to me is like saying, hey, if you're going to do it, you're going to need this thing. Like, 
that's great council approved. Yeah. Right. So why are they freaking out now? Exactly. And then the same guy, I mean, he was, he was cruel to her. Yeah. I mean, just outright. There was, there was. I told you not to do this yet. You did it anyway. Well, and, and, and then the whole, you know, you're not Minbari. You're not human. You're not us. Like there was, there was racist hate. That was gross. Yeah. That was gross. I mean, that was like, like, I thought he was going to call her a mudblood there for a moment. Exactly. Like that was just nasty. They, when she was giving her, her appeal, her speech, she, she appealed to their friendship and then the future of the species. And my first thought, because I, I watched this episode twice and on the first watch through, I was like, nope, you put the future of your, your race first and your friendship second. But when I watched it again, I was like, of course she said, I'm going to lean on your friendship. Cause one of her friends like was just so it was mean girl high school mean girl to right. her right before she set up into that, that, that whole thing. And then when she got in front of Lanier and she's like, we're going back to Babylon five, the council, I'm no longer set but I'm going, and he's like, Oh, the council is wise. And she's like, yes, yes, they are. And she was pained, like visibly pained to say mm-hmm. that, but she's not going to walk out. This is like one of the things that makes her great. She's not going to walk out and trash the council to Lanier going to go ahead and keep it all above board and cool but you yeah. can see i mean it's just visible how she was just so uh, I mean, shaking. The, the acting in that it, honestly both bill mummy and mira, mira ferlin yeah got it wrong last week their acting in this episode respectively was just phenomenal and i i mean this may be jumping ahead a little bit but let's we can't not talk about this and not talk about what they said earlier in the episode Lanier said something to the effect of service is a matter of conscience, not of the flesh. Yeah. It shouldn't matter what you look like. And then she gets there and, and Delin says to the great council, we can no longer allow ourselves to be separated by names and borders. Our two sides must unite or die or be destroyed. I think is what she said. Like, Oh my gosh. First of all, you talk about the message of this episode, right? Like, you know, because that's what we're watching happen, you know, and, and we now know that Sinclair is off on Mimbard, basically combining Mimbar and Earth people together. What's this going to happen now with the new religious cast who wants to destroy them as they are? Mm-hmm. Is Narun going to go in and kill Sinclair and all the humans that are working on Mimbar now? Well, he was it ready. seems like he would. He was itching, itching for a fight. Right. So I, d- I don't like where this is going. I. I don't like where this is going. Like, I don't like where Londo is going. Like, I don't want them to go this direction with Mimbar. And I don't want them to go that direction with, with Londo. But here we are, you know, and, and, and it really is like, you know, we, we've got, we've got the earth Centauri war or the Centauri Narn war. <laughs> we've got warrior council, warrior cast running the, the gray council and earth force trying to insert itself. It, it rings so true with what we're experiencing today, but there's the massive darkness of the shadows, you know, rising and everyone knows it. Everyone's talking about it, mm-hmm. but we're going to divide and we're going to go fight each other on little petty While stuff. this is happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While, like all of this is happening out there. We're all seeing it, but we're going to go worry about the, uh, this. Other. And I got to tell you the, the Narn Centauri thing, Jeff, I really, I expect, and I think this is going to be maybe a season long arc. And it's going to be like, this is just going to be sort of the, the appetizer. Now I know they keep talking about the great war. This is the year that the great war came upon us. The great war is coming. I don't think the Narn Centauri thing is the great war. I think this is just a, a, 
uh, this will be a flash in the pan compared to what's really getting ready to happen. Yeah, I actually have a pretty good theory on that war for when we get to our next game that we're going to play. Yeah, I love it there. Okay, yeah. So, um, dude, making a Helen Keller reference? Seriously? Yeah. Like, and and it being so bad in the moment right? that even Garibaldi is like, "Whoa, dude, dude, come on." When you when your writing is so good that you can make a horrible joke, and then within the same breath of writing call yourself out on it (laughs) but think about it like so these guys are a couple hundred years into the future from us right okay so calling out a helen keller reference because helen keller is about a hundred years an hour past exactly right so that's about 300 years removed at least almost four this would be this would be like on the level of us making a joke about bach being deaf or something like because at first i was like you even know who helen keller was Jeff, I guarantee you there are people listening to this show right now who are going, hey, who's Helen Keller? Guys, Google it. You should Google it. Brent, there are people who believe that Helen Keller is made up. Whoa. There was a, it came out of some university something, but these students came together and said, there's no way she could be real. The adversity she overcame, that's not realistic. It's not possible. You're lying to us about who she is. There are people today questioning that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the basic story, just for anybody out there who might not know, Helen Keller was a person who was born both deaf and blind and managed to do she managed to overcome it and yeah, she wrote books. She yeah. inspired movements. Like one of the most inspirational people I think who's ever lived. Right. And, and especially doing it as a girl in an era before like women's suffrage and women's rights and, and things like that. Like it, 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 it's not just her, her disability, but it also is, it, it is connected to her gender, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, in that world, in that context, like that's pretty huge. And, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with a lot of that. Uh, I grew up living with my grandparents. My grandparents were both deaf. Um, so anything that's in that world and that community is just, you tend, you tend to stand up and notice it a little bit more when you, when you live in that world a little bit. And, you know, Helen Keller is somewhat of a hero. You know, I remember my grandmother always talking about, now my grandmother wasn't blind, but she was deaf. And, and I remember her talking about Helen Keller a lot. Like that was a personal hero of hers. So they really think she doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. I read, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like if the world ended this, like we'd probably be better off, <laughs> <laughs> which is a terrible thing to Maybe say. Maybe not that far, but yeah. Anyway. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Like I just, uh, all right. Helen Keller. I think we have reached this part of the episode, right? Where we boil this all down. See if this show has any of that star Trekky quality that we've been talking about here for a little bit, a deep moral message, right? Maybe it's holding up a mirror to society, giving us hope that we can be better in the future. We're going to do this by me rating the episode on a scale of zero to five deltas on how star Trekky it is. And Brent, you're going to rate the episode on a scale of zero to five star theories as to how much we enjoyed the episode. And I think I'll launch right where, where you dropped it there, how service is a matter of the, uh, uh, of the conscience or the heart in there. And Lanier is such a great example of that. He says, he says to uh, Delenn, who's visibly shaken, who says that she is going to be facing darkness and fire, right? That theme yeah. of fire that we got from Kosh, you know, a little while ago, but I mean, whew, dark stuff and he says where you walk i walk that loyalty 
that commitment and that service and, 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 and even how she kind of pointed it back to him, you know, about how, you know, when you first came here, you wouldn't even look up. You wouldn't look me in the eyes. I told you to, but you never stopped. You never stopped, you know, averting it. And it just, it just speaks to the, the strength of service. But I think so much of the message in this episode, to me, we saw a lot of people face death. We've talked before about the concept of be, do, have, right? Who you are, what you do, and what you have. And when you're faced with death, you see who you really are. And I think that what we saw in here, Ramirez was such a great example where the computer told him he had already received a terminal dose of radiation. He was going to die. So he diverted all of his life support as much as possible to the engine so he could get back to Babylon 5 and warn them about what happened to Sheridan. His dying breath was warning them that they needed to go save Sheridan. He sacrificed himself for the greater good, right? And he did so with dignity all the way through. The Narn on the ship wanted to die because there was no escape. Sheridan saw death as an option, right? Not something he wanted, but something that was an option, something he wasn't afraid of. The Len demonstrated not through death of person, but through death of identity and, you know, not being Satai anymore. And then just the pure hatred that they put on her. She knew who she was. Sheridan knew who he was. Narn. <laughs> Narn knew who he was and Ramirez did as well. I think that is such a strong message to know who you are and stick with it to the end. In the last episode, Sheridan said that the only certainty in war is death. In this one, he reflected further and talked about how unfair death is. Ramirez was just a kid. It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't. So be you. There's no one else worth being. I think between the, the messages of service, loyalty, and being who you are, this to me was a four Delta episode. Yeah, I, I am. You said it so well. I'm not going to uh, addend on to that because I, I think you just did it well. Uh, I agree. Four, four Star Furies sounds, sounds right up right there. Uh, or I'm sorry, four Deltas. As far as Star Furies, Jeff, I, I liked this episode. This episode left me wanting more. I don't know how much I liked this episode given how much I disliked Gropos last week. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yep, yep. But there's so much to this to this episode to chew on. There's so much to get through. This does not feel like an episode that is a standalone episode. Like if you're just flipping through the channels and you've never seen Babylon 5 and you jump into this episode, you just feel like you would be lost. But for those of us who have been in it so far, this pulled so many threads and pulled things back together. And I think it might have even pulled threads that didn't tell you about, like, you know, organic tech. Um or the techno mages. We didn't get any techno mages, but I mean, we need more techno. We need more techno mages. Yeah. I need more Michael and sorry in my totally. life. Anyway, um, it pulled so many things together that while the episode itself as a standalone episode really may not be that strong, it is a strong episode for where we are in this uh, series. So I'm giving this one. 3.75 star furies. Wow. Okay. And that probably feels a little low to me because I think I could come back and look back on this episode and go, there's so much to chew on in this episode, but particularly the Lanier stuff. Um, Ramirez, I immediately liked Ramirez and I still haven't grasped onto Kefir yet. Like I would, I would trade you three Kefirs for one Ramirez. hundred percent. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And he did in one episode what Kefir hasn't been able to do in what is this, eleven episodes now? Well, I think four, three or four that he's been in. <sighs> right. You know. I might even trade you a Natoth for I'll, I'll trade you a Kefir and a Natoth for Ramirez. Natoth who's been in one episode this season. Yeah, that's that's where I got it right now. Nice. I'm gonna give it three point seven five Star Furies. I could be convinced to go up later and, and make it more, but that's what I feel like. This is gonna be one that partway through season four or whatever, when these pieces drop in, we're gonna look back on this episode. It's been like, oh, this is epic. So good. But we yeah. don't have all that information yet. There's there's a lot of potentially epic stuff. If, if they could just drop it. Mm-hmm. It could just be dropped, but I don't think they're gonna drop much much of the stuff at all. Well, starting now in season two, we are ranking the episodes. We are developing the absolute 100% completely accurate, objectively definitive ranking of season two of Babylon 5. So Brent, our top five right now is in first place, The Coming of Shadows. Second place, A Race Through Dark Places. Third, Soulmates. Fourth, Points of Departure. And five, A Spider in the Web. Brent, where do you place... All alone in the night. Okay. I remember really liking a race through dark places. When I do this, the only litmus test that I know that is, that is good to use is what episode would I rather watch again first? Mm -hmm. You know, like if I, if I could pick two episodes, if I got two episodes, I could pick one, which one am I watching? That's, that's how I got to rank this. So that being said, um, I think I like this one a lot better than a spider in the web. So I'm going to push spider in the web out. I definitely like this one better than points of departure. Okay. Points of departure was a good opening to the season, but it by no means was its best episode. Agreed. Like not even, not even close. So the question is, did I like this episode or did I like soulmates better? Now soulmates was the one about Londo divorcing his wives, right? Those are very different episodes. It's an incredibly different episode. I really liked that episode, but I'm also a comedy guy. If you can make me laugh or you can make me feel something, I'm going to like that episode, but is this an objectively better episode than soulmates? I think it might be, but subjectively, I think I like soulmates still better than what we got out of this one. But is it like, but why do we, so here's my question back to you, Jeff. And, and admittedly, some of these episodes are starting to run together. So maybe you can help me out. Why do we like coming of shadows and a race through dark places better than soulmates? A race through dark places was best or back. And that was a phenomenal episode, right? That was a great episode. And I would watch that again before I watch Soulmates. And the coming of shadows was the declaration of the Centauri Narn War. Oh, yeah. When everything just sort of hit. Yep. Yeah, I think I've got to put this one up above Soulmates. I liked Soulmates. It was a fun episode. But this one feels coming of shadows. Like, I think when we look back on season two and you think, okay, what are the marquee episodes? The ones that really turned the story. This has to be one of those. So I'm going to put this one up at number three, below the Bester episode, but above the guilty pleasure, I think, that is Soulmates. Because I think Soulmates has to be a guilty pleasure, right? It kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it was just fun. It was a fun episode, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to put this one at number three. Wow. All right. Well, that's it for All Alone in the Night. Next week, Brent, we're watching Acts of Sacrifice for the first time. Now, we've never seen these episodes before. We haven't looked at thumbnails, synopses, anything. We don't know anything about it. All we know is the title. Based on the title alone, Brent, what do you think will happen next week on Acts of Sacrifice? 
you know, I always want these to like continue the story from the episode we just saw. And that never is how it goes. No. Right. Because I'm going to be like, all right, so we just saw Lanier like agree to go back to the And so we're going to find out what it cost him. That's actually where I'm going. We're going to find out what it cost Lanier to stay by Delin's side. And I really hope that we get the other half of that conversation that Sheridan had with his crew because we we need to. We need to have that information. I don't think we're going to get it. I think no, we're going to get it in story bits over the next three seasons. Really. Yeah, which sucks, but whatever. I think this is the beginning of the end of the Centauri War, Centauri-Narn War. I think it's going to end within about two or three more episodes. And this is the beginning, starting with Londo, not publicly making an act a sacrifice, but sacrificing something behind the scenes to save face and still be Londo, right? Doing all the stuff he does, but he's is like the show. redemption of Londo. The beginning of, yeah, I think this is the beginning of it. I know a couple episodes like ago right now. Exactly. I think a couple episodes ago, I talked about how he's going to die and have to kill himself and stuff. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I think he's going to do something, sacrifice some of his dignity, his respect, his, you know, part of his reputation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will lead to here in a handful of episodes the end of the Centauri Narn War. Yeah. So you and I, you, like, you're, you're in agreement with me. The Narn Centauri War is just the appetizer for whatever the big thing is. I think you've I convinced mean, me because at first I thought this was going to be what well, it's going to be the appetizer, but it's going to blow up into so much more. Uh-huh. I think it is going to blow up, but, but I think it's going to resolve. It's going to resolve. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we'll move into so much more. Gotcha. Gotcha. At least I hope. Me too. But we'll find out here next week. Thank you all so much for joining us here as we watched All Alone in the Night. We appreciate it so much. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. And if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I really enjoy reading your reviews here on the podcast. So, Brent, until next time. Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I need to know right now, where do your loyalties lie? Are you in or are you out? Right now, I need to know. Well, I'm... It's my first time.